I know the adult Beatles are thankful today for the youth Beatles, so they didn't have to say Pamphylia and Cappadocia and Phrygia. It is a privilege to stand before you on this Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit must have known that uh, May was going to need to be thinking about her mom the last couple of days and not thinking about preaching today. I know that we announced last Sunday that um, May Benton would be um, preaching this Sunday, but you have me instead, so um, you just have to suffer along. Let's pray. Holy God, we praise and thank you for the gift of faith and for the faith of children, for the way that you inspire our young people, for the way, Lord God, that they lead us into worship that is authentic and true. We thank you for the gifts that you have dispensed by your spirit into their lives. And we thank you for the way that they have shared those gifts in our midst this day. We would ask that you would use your Holy Spirit to seal in their hearts and minds the desires that you have for them and the hope-filled future that you have planned for each one of them. Holy God, we are confident in the future of the church, not only because it is in the hands of Christ, but because it is in the hearts of these young men and women. Bless us, Lord God, as you open before us your word this day. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Hopefully when you came in this morning and you saw the red balloons, you knew that it was Pentecost. If not, you heard it from Mackenzie and Sarah. You see the students in red. And it is one of the holy days upon which we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Today is Pentecost. Pentecost literally means 50th. 50th what? You heard that this is the 2000 and something like 38th birthday of the church. So 50th what? In order to understand what happens today, in order to understand what Pentecost means in the life of the followers of Jesus Christ, in order to understand the descent of the Holy Spirit upon those who believe, in order to understand what it means for the church, the body of Christ, to be born in full force into the world, we have to rewind things. Not only Acts chapter 2 contains the story of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 contains the promise of Pentecost. Jesus, after rising from the dead on Easter, that's a date you need to hold in your mind right here. For 40 days, he made appearances among the disciples and among the people of Israel. He appeared to more than 500 people at one time. He made many, multiple appearances. In fact, so many, John says, that if everything that he did when he was risen from the dead had been recorded, it would be a book too large to fill the world. 40 days. Hmm, that's not Pentecost. 40 days, or 10 days ago today, Jesus ascended into heaven, where he, we confess, sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But just before he ascended into heaven, he said this to his disciples. Mm -hmm. 
Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father has promised to you, a gift you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times and dates that the father has set by his own authority. But this I promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. On the 40th day, Jesus promised Pentecost. They didn't know that it was going to be on Pentecost. They didn't know that during the traditional feast of weeks, when Jews from all over the ancient Near East would be already gathered in Jerusalem, they didn't know that God was going to use that time to send forth the Holy Spirit with power for a purpose. Power came upon the disciples for the purpose of communicating the good news of the gospel to people all over the world. That's why the power of the Holy Spirit is given. That's why God brings the church into being in the world. It is for God's good purpose of communicating the glory of Christ to all mankind. It was on Easter that Jesus was raised from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. Ten days later, during the Feast of Weeks, known as Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, God sent forth the promised Holy Spirit, known as the Spirit of Christ to those who would believe. He did so with a purpose. He did so with power. Now, the verse after the verse that Megan read to you this morning says this. Some people made fun of them. They supposed that they were drunk. Hmm. Now, that's actually not a terribly unreasonable thought to have during Pentecost. It was quite a party. It was, well, probably not quite Mardi Gras-like, but it was, hmm, it was a week-long party nonetheless. People from all over the world were gathered together in Jerusalem for a week-long feast, a party, a celebration. It is in that context that the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples who are gathered together as Jesus had commanded them to do, stay in Jerusalem. That's where the gift is going to come to you. And like rushing wind and with something that looked like tongues of fire, the Spirit did indeed arrive. And there was a qualitative change in the disciples. They were different. They appeared different. They sounded different. They acted differently than they had moments earlier, so much so that they drew the attention of the people who were round about. Positive attention, you say? Well, I don't know. Some people thought they were drunk. Are we even willing 
to appear that foolish or different or spirit intoxicated in the world in which we live today? Are we willing to appear that different, that qualitatively different from our worldly neighbors that people would say, hey, something's actually going on with those folks. I don't know exactly what it is, but something's up. They are way too happy to be normal. They are way too excited about what they're talking about. They are really passionate about the Lord. Something's going on with them. The disciples were no longer average men. They were possessed by a strange new quality. A life of power had infused them, was transforming them. It changed the way other people perceived them. It drew people toward them and through them it has, it is, and it will transform the world. The change in their lives began at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon them with power for the purpose of the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. The Holy Spirit, in case you don't know, and some of us have a very bad theology of the Holy Spirit, so that's why I'm sharing this news with you today. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is as much God as is Jesus. He is as much God as the Father. It's not as if the Holy Spirit is an ethereal, mystical ghost, as we sometimes call him. He's not a shadow or a mist or an impersonal aura. The Holy Spirit is God, fully eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing. The Holy Spirit is not the tame member of the Trinity, although sometimes the shy one. All divine attributes that are ascribed to the Father and all divine attributes that are ascribed to the Son are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Some tend to think of the Holy Spirit as a little bit like a manageable house pet, one who can be leashed, trained, kenneled, Put out when your fancy friends come over. In order to live lives that are acceptable to the world, we are prone to set the spirit outside. As if you and I could set the living God outside long enough to pursue whatever it is we wanted to pursue inside. It's a bit of a dangerous game. Jesus warned of the deadly desire to be loved by the world, and he came right out and said that anyone who is ashamed of him in this life, of them, he will be ashamed of in the life to come. Now hold on, we protest. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I talk about Jesus. I sing about Jesus. I'm very Jesus-oriented. 
the catch on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit descends after the ascension because he descends from the Father and the Son. You cannot claim Jesus as Savior and Lord and shut out the Holy Spirit. For in shutting out the Holy Spirit, you shut out Christ. So, for those of us who resist being called Pentecostal, don't resist so much. For if we are not the children of Pentecost, if we have not received in our hearts and lives the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit sent forth on Pentecost, then I dare say we have not received Christ. Faith is a personal thing, you say, and now I'm treading on it. It's just not something we talk about in polite society. I don't want a lot of Holy Spirit in my life because, you know, people are going to take notice and I'm going to start doing weird things and people are going to call me a Jesus freak and, you know, well, they're no fun to invite to a party because, you know, they're just, oh, see, contraire, my friend. We should be the most exciting people to have at a party. We act like we're drunk even when we're not. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. A power that transcends the world. The Holy Spirit is shy. True. But he is not timid. It's true that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and knocks and will not intrude into our lives until he is invited to do so. But Jesus arrives in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. He arrives as the Spirit of Christ, the breath of life, the very power of the living God, the one who brought creation out of chaos, the one who has eternally been stirring things up, the one who lights the fire in my soul, and the one who sets a refiner's fire in my life. The one who reveals all truth, convicts all sin, decides and delivers unto the people of God the gifts that God desires for them to have. And the wisdom and the courage to use those gifts to produce fruits of righteousness. The Spirit awakens and quickens and turns and transforms and refines and sanctifies and finally perfects us. If you have received Christ, then you have received the Spirit of Christ. If you have ever asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, then the Holy Spirit already lives within you. Every single one of you. If Christ is your Savior, then the Spirit is alive within you. How do I know? Because Scripture tells me so. It is the Spirit who regenerates us, gives us Rebirth, new life in Christ. It is the Spirit that dwells within us. It is the Spirit who seals us in Christ. It is the Spirit who prays for us with sighs too deep for words. It is the Spirit who is our earnest money or guarantee on the inheritance that we are promised in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that engrafts us to the body of Christ and makes us part of the church. It is the Holy Spirit who fills and empowers us for service, honoring to God, 
Now, Jesus did not say, you will receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power from on high in order to do whatever you will. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in order to be my witnesses. You see, the Spirit is given to the people of God for a very specific purpose. That purpose is that Christ might be glorified. You can think about it this way. Jesus came from heaven to earth as the Son of God in order that the Father might be glorified. The Son, having risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, then sends forth the Holy Spirit in order that Christ, the Son of God, might be glorified. We get to participate in the glorification of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Can you imagine a greater honor? To be able to render real glory to the king who died for me. Pretty much we just want the gifts. We do, it's true. We're kind of fixated on the gifts of the Spirit sometimes. We want to know which gift we have, and that's important. It's important to know which gift you have in order that you can put it to use for the building up of the body of Christ, which is why the gifts are given. See, the gifts aren't given for our glory. The gifts aren't given for our upbuilding. The gifts aren't even given for our joy. The gifts of the Spirit are given as gifts in order that Christ might be glorified. So that means we're supposed to use those gifts in a very specific way, to a very specific purpose. Now, you've all got gifts. How do I know? Well, if you have received Christ, then you have received the Spirit of Christ, and with the Spirit of Christ comes the gifts that God has decided need to go to each and every individual believer in order that where the body of Christ is present, all the gifts will be present so that the work of Christ can proceed in the world. Hmm. Don't really feel very gifted. Maybe I'm feeling a little deflated or depleted or robbed of my joy or unloving or unloved. Maybe I'm not really feeling very spiritual. Is the spirit still present if I can't feel it? Yes. Is the spirit dwelling within me even when I don't feel it? Yes. But just as a sponge is actually never really dry, there are times when you and I, although we feel parched and dry, spirit's still there, just needs to be newly filled. Pentecost is a great opportunity to ask for a new measure, a new dispensation, a new filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a great opportunity for us to say, yes, I want my life to be filled with all of those wonderful things Scripture talks about Christians having. I want my life to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. 
I want there to be evidence in my life that Christ is not only real to me, but Christ is honoring me by working through me to produce what he's doing in the world. I want that in my life. If you want a life that is empowered, a life that is on God's purpose, a life that is unleashed for eternal greatness, regardless of temporal realities, then Pentecost is God's gift to you. And I would invite you this day to receive the good gift of God in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Receive it anew, receive it afresh. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. You need to be refreshed, refreshed, empowered, newly equipped, inspired. Some of you do, because let me tell you, I am looking out right now on some faces that do not inspire me. <laughs> Here's what I'm not going to promise you. I'm not going to promise you that a spirit-filled life is necessarily an easy one. Because a spirit-filled life is often contrary to the world. And most of us are scared to death of living in ways that are contrary to the world. Here's the problem. If we're not willing to live lives that are contrary to the world, even lives that make us look a little foolish in the eyes of our neighbors, then we are surely living lives that are contrary to Christ. I would rather be set against my neighbor than set against the Son of God. It is a scary thing to think about going forth from this place, not with necessarily tongues of fire dancing on our heads, because, you know, I think that was kind of a one-time show. And I'm not even going to ask you to do this, but I want you to imagine what it would be like. What if I sent you forth from this place today full of helium? Would you sound different? Yes, you would. I know you're glad I don't have a balloon here so I can demonstrate it. You would sound different. Would you be perceived differently? Yes, some of you definitely would because that is way far outside of the scope of what you would normally do. I want you to imagine that the Holy Spirit works like that. And yes, maybe even to the point where it seems like foolishness to the world. But guess what? God takes what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And even the very wisdom of God seems like foolishness at the cross. Let's pray. Holy God, we want lives that are real and we want lives that are abundant. We want, God, we want lives that are filled with purpose, even eternally. We need your Holy Spirit in order to do that. Turn our hearts toward you that we might be willing to surrender our lives anew this day that the Holy Spirit might descend upon us in fresh, new, inspiring ways for the service that you have set forth before us. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.